Welcome to the Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 11th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. My goal is to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in our local economy. Keep us tuned in and I will keep you informed. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 400 1150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And my lineup for the show today, Tony Sablon with Ultimate Wealth Strategies, New York Life, Market Strategies, and Volatility. Also in studio, Vincent Humphrey with Humphrey & Associates. Fired up and ready to sue? You might want to think again. And last guest in studio, Andy Young with Active Home Inspections, discussion all about home inspections. Great information and great guests in studio. Again, for more information on any topic discussed or topics that you'd like to hear on future shows, please call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. To start out the show today, we'll have a little money chat. Money. Money. I recently had someone call in and ask about zero down loans and if they exist. And yes, they do. There, there are a lot of different grant programs out there available. Some specific for first-time homebuyers, some are not. I'm just going to talk about one because this is uh, the most popular one that I utilize because it has the the best guidelines available, uh, best interest rates, and easiest options to be able to close, which is a key thing in this market right now. Um, not on the zero down, but on another topic in financing. The financing that you choose to go into with can make or break your offer getting accepted. And it is a challenging offer right now because of the lack of inventory. With all the multiple offers, um, you might be making an offer on a home that 10 other people are making an offer on a home at the same time. If you're using a down payment assistant program or a grant program, your pre-approval letter does state that. It says that you're zero down utilizing grant funds, which can make your offer less appealing to the seller and the agent that's representing that seller and advising them what offer to accept. So it does make it more challenging. But I do want to tell you, if you're if this is the program that you need to get into a home. It's a great program to utilize and you'll find a home and get an offer accepted as long as you don't give up. It's just not going to be as competitive um, as some of the offer other offer programs would be. Now, you'd be utilizing most likely the Washington State Housing Finance Commission um, and the Washington State Housing Finance Commission offers down payment assistance and tax credit to homeowners in Washington State. Now, the Home Advantage Program is the one that I want to break down for you uh, today for Money Chat. Down payment assistance up to 4%, so you can utilize a lower percentage down payment assistance, which is going to give you a little better interest rate. But I want to talk to those of you that don't have any money to come in with for a home for the down payment. And the 4% would cover the down payment 
that you would attach it to, which would be a three and a half percent down payment FHA loan. So with the four percent, it would cover that. Plus, you're going to have a little bit uh, extra that you can use towards closing costs and prepaids. Now, if you don't have the funds for closing costs and prepaids, which are typically going to run around three percent of the purchase price, you're going to need to come in with your own funds or some gift funds, or you'll have to uh, try to negotiate that with the seller by possibly increasing the price that you're offering them to get them to agree to do that. Now, this down payment assistant grant program, it does have to be paid back. So it's paid at the time that you sell your home or if you refinance your property at the time that you're refinancing to get into a better loan, you're going to have to pay that second off at that time or at the end of the 30 years, that second mortgage is going to be due in full. Now, the benefits to uh, this program in comparison to some of the other grant programs, you do not have to be a first-time homebuyer. So you do have to be owner-occupying the property, but you can own other property and, again, not required to be a first-time. The potential recapture tax that you're going to see on some of the down payment assistant programs, a recapture tax, what that is, is to build up the funds available for these bonds that are going to be assisting in new first-time homebuyers. So the reason behind, the why behind the programs are to help people that would otherwise not be able to get into a home if these uh, grant programs were not available. So if you benefit too much from the program when you sell, things are looked at at the time you sell the property to, based on uh, making equity on the home, how much income you make at that time. Some of these programs have a recapture tax where you're going to pay a tax back at the time that you sell your home. This one does not, the Home Advantage program, and that's why I think it's a great option, especially if you think that you're at risk of paying that recapture tax, and that's something that you can go over with your mortgage consultant to see what you anticipate your financial situation is going to look at at the time that you think you might be selling the home. Uh, Maximum income restriction, this is for all counties. Some of the down payment assistant programs have different income limits depending on what county you're purchasing in, different income limits uh, depending on how many are in your household. The Home Advantage program, that I'm bringing to you today does not. It's just one straight income, $97,000 a year. Now, that is based on your gross income. Also with this program, you can get a little creative uh, with that. If you have a spouse or someone else that's going to be on the loan that's going to put you over that maximum income restriction, you can actually leave them off the loan and their income would not be included in the maximum income restriction. Unlike on some other grant programs, if it's based on a needs assessment, then the income calculation is a lot different and stricter that way. But if it's not a need need assessment, which this one is not, it's only who's going to be on the loan. What you have to make sure, though, is that other spouse's income does not need to be used for qualifying. Because if you don't put them on the loan, their income's not going to be used to qualify for the loan. Uh, the It's a 0% interest rate, so there's no mortgage payment that you're going to be making on that. Again, it's just going to be paid off, whatever that dollar amount is, dollar for dollar, at the time that you sell refinance um, or at the end of 30 years. Now, the Home uh, Advantage program can be used in combination um, with other down payment assistant options. It can be used for con- conventional financing, FHA financing, USDA. So there's a lot of options that you can attach that with your first mortgage. Now, on the first mortgage, you are going to pay a premium rate for utilizing the down payment assistance or grant program. Usually, you might see maybe a half a percent higher interest rate, just depending on the fee associated uh, that you choose to go with that program. Now, a lot of the other grant programs require you to have a five-hour in-person 
certification course. The Home Advantage program that I'm bringing you to today does not. You do have to take an online course, and it probably most likely with all the modules will take you about five hours. So you want to make sure that you block out a lot of time. Whoever's going to be on the loan has to individually, again, if you're buying with a spouse, they're going to have to take that uh, that course as well. A mortgage consultant has to be certified. So if you're talking with a mortgage consultant, and the lender has to participate in it as well. Um, a lot of your credit unions are not going to participate in any of the grant programs. A lot of them don't even participate in any of the government programs, uh, VA, FHA, USDA. So if your mortgage consultant says that the program's not available, um, pick up the phone and talk with someone else because it's likely the company doesn't support it or that individual mortgage consultant is not certified because there's a certification that every mortgage consultant has to go through in order to be able to offer the program. Um, Really strict on debt-to-income ratio, it's 45%. Uh, Right now, based on where the interest rates are at, per 10,000 calculation, in the payment, so if you know what you want to make in a mortgage payment, where your maximum is, it's kind of ni- nice to be able to calculate that based on a per 10000 calculation. It's about $70 for every 10000 That's going to include principal interest, taxes, and insurance. Uh, so $70 for every 10000 in price is going to be what the payment is. And then there is a minimum credit score requirement, which is 620 So that's my money chat for you on down payment assistant grant programs. Coming up next in the money hour, are you worried about market strategies and volatility. Tony Sablon with Ultimate Wealth Strategies, New York, right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you near retirement? Recently transferred to a new job and wondering what to do with your old 401k? Are you interested in learning about how to create a defensive and offensive strategy for your financial plan? Tony Sablon of Eagle Strategies can help you analyze your current financial plan, life insurance, and investments. Tony Sablon has helped hundreds of individuals, families, and business owners bring clarity to their financial plan. This is Tony Sablon with Eagle Strategies. To learn more about my practice, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at ultimatewealthstrategies.com. To receive a free consultation, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at EagleStrategies.com. Again, that's 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at EagleStrategies.com. The following material is presented for informational and sales purposes only and represents our understanding of generally applicable rules. It is not intended and does not set forth solutions to individual situations. New York Life Insurance Company, its agents or employees may not give legal, tax, or accounting advice. And none is intended nor should be inferred from the information herein. Clients should consult their own professional advisors prior to implementing any planning strategies. This material includes a discussion of one or more tax-related topics prepared to assist in the promotion or marketing of the transactions or matters addressed. It is not intended and cannot be used by any taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding any IRS penalties that may be imposed upon the taxpayer. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 11th show. I'm committed to providing you knowledge needed to be successful in every area regarding your finances. Knowledge is power, and that's what you'll receive from listening to the show today. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can call the show at one 855 
411-450 or online at themoneyhour.com to ask any questions to my guests that I have in studio today. Right now, I'm going to have a conversation with Tony Sablon with Ultimate Wealth Strategies New York Life, Market Strategies and Volatility in the Market. Tony, thank you so much for coming back in studio. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tina. And a little bit about Tony. Tony Sablon is an advisor with New York Life. He is also the founder of Ultimate Wealth Strategies based in Bellevue, Washington, focusing on life insurance, investment, retirement, estate planning for uh, you, your family, or small business to identify your life goals and motivations. He has a vast team of specialists that will help you meet your goals. Not only does he enjoy helping people with their financial goals and dreams, he is also passionate about the community through his involvement with a variety of nonprofits. And something that's unique about Tony is that he is a mixed martial arts coach at AMC Pancration and Cal in Kirkland, uh, Washington training alongside current UFC champions, one FC champion, and other world-class fighters. So, Tony, it's not only do you help people with their finances and putting a good finance in plan, <laughs> but you can actually help them in self-defense. Yes, yes Yeah, we can. that's awesome. <laughs> Our topic today, I, I think, is a great one, market strategies and volatility. And it's a really interesting uh, topic, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners are asking, when is the right time to invest? Well, many of Wall Street's economists and market strategists make a good living trying to answer this question, often guessing where the market is headed. Sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. But one thing's for sure, market diagnosis is a lot easier and clearer than market prognosis. And as Warren Buffett once said, in the business world, the rearview mirror is always clearer than the windshield. So to avoid overreaction and let our emotions dictate our financial future, it is important to keep a long-term perspective and stop trying to guess where the market is going. Mm -hmm. Have a plan before you get into the market. So, Tony, I know you talk a lot about emotions and anything's emotional when we're talking about our finances and we're talking about the the future for our family and our, our lives. So would you elaborate on how emotions can affect the way that you invest? Well, our emotions are difficult to keep in check, however, especially when our money is at stake. So investors experience an emotional roller coaster of some sorts as their investments endures the highs and lows of the markets. And generally that's, you know, begins with optimism, excitement, thrill, euphoria, which is what we're experiencing right now uh, with the market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is also the point of maximum financial risk because at the other end of that is anxiety denial, fear, uh, desperation, panic, and despondency, at which that is the, po the point of maximum financial opportunity. And once you take advantage of that financial opportunity, you know, then we, we get out of depression, there's hope, mm -hmm. there's relief, and then we're back to optimism again. Yeah. So with that in with that in mind, you know, a successful investing strategy is having a long-term plan and, and perspective as well. And I imagine, too, when you're talking about all those different emotions, you want to catch it at fear and do something instead of procrastinating and getting it to where it gets to a whole higher, higher level. So, uh, Tony, um, how would you advise someone to be able to take the emotions out of it and in that decision-making process when they're actually investing so being disciplined is very important and not letting your emotion make the investment uh, choices for you. Mm -hmm. And to illustrate the reality of a long-term disciplined uh, investment approach, you know, $1 uh, grow, uh, invested 85 years ago would be worth 
roughly about $26,400 investing in small small stock or mm-hmm. small cap stocks and in large cap stocks that's about 53 uh, about $5300 according to to the uh, iButson chart which you can find online okay and um so really it's about being disciplined and having a plan and taking the emotion out of out of your investment choices makes total sense so a lot of my listeners may or most likely may not be able to time the market performance wise and you know how does time timing versus having a disciplined approach affect one's portfolio so a key characteristic that distinguishes a professional investment manager from the average investors that you know like I mentioned before discipline is part of their investment strategy Individual investors often let emotion or short-term market events drive their investment behavior. Mm -hmm. So think about the Trump effect, you know. Uh, People were worried about what, you know, what would happen if Trump took office, but the opposite happened. Exactly. And and the market shot Mm -hmm. up. So fear and greed are often powerful motivators to do exactly the wrong thing at the wrong time. And according to a recent study conducted towards the end of uh, last year, over a 20-year period, the average investor achieve less than half of the annual returns uh, versus professional investors. And, you know, that's five and a half percent over the same period that the S&P 500 did uh, return 13.69%. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, past performance does not guarantee future results. Exactly. You know, it was interesting after the elections because I always show the bond market and helping to educate clients on interest rates and what interest rates have done since we can't predict what they're going to do in the future. Mm. But uh, right after the election, the bond market just tanked. And as I tell my clients, if you watch the stock market normally, the bond market's going to work opposite of it. So yeah, you just don't know because you would have thought it would have been uh, the opposite. So given we're on an all-time high, um, historically, how has the market performed, Tony? So historically, the stock market has been up more than down. And after a lengthy bull market, some people tend to lose sight that their investments might actually generate uh, negative returns. And this exemplifies the importance of maintaining realistic expectations about your investments, especially if returns move closer to their historical averages. And given that we don't know where the market will be two years from now, uh, should you be prepared to stay invested? The market has been up 12% 12% or more, about 50% of the time since 1926, and it, and it has had positive returns 73% of the time, but it's also been negative roughly 27% of the time. So the market can help provide the growth engine investors need to provide future income and com- combat inflation, but since no I- investment is without risk, you mm-hmm. need to be prepared to endure market fluctuations and slumps and understand that there are reasons for them. And historically, once the reasons are addressed, the market bounces back. And that's why it's important for investors to keep a long-term perspective. Just like purchasing a house, you lose money in real estate when you're forced to sell in a market, bad market, or you get scared in a bad market. You've got to hold and get through those times and take that emotion out of it. A little bit different when you're talking about your your money than you are your home, but um, you know, same, same philosophy. So what are some basic of investing to begin in the design process, Tony? So the basic tenets of a successful investing strategy are asset allocation, Mm -hmm. diversification, rebalancing, working with a financial professional, and diversifying your investments in the different types of investment vehicles available to you. So let's talk about asset allocation. 
So asset allocations essentially building a diversified portfolio that combines the the other major asset classes, and that's equities, which is stocks, mm-hmm. fixed income, which is bonds, and cash equivalents, which is cash. Okay. Right? Uh, all asset classes do not perform alike, and one asset class may fall, the other may rise, mm-hmm. and that's what helps um, keep your for- portfolio at a uh, really steady upward trend, sure. rather than taking uh, going through the ups and downs if you're heavily invested in one asset class. So what about rebalancing? So rebalancing is essentially taking the winners and... Um, investing in the losers from the previous year. Because if uh, there's a, what we call a Kellen chart that shows the historical performance year over year okay. over the last 10 years of the different asset classes, and you'll find that you know winners in one year aren't necessarily the winners the next year. Sure. So it, make, it would make sense to you know sell high and buy low, which is essentially what you're doing with uh, rebalancing. Okay. And really important diversification. Uh, you know, I talk... Diversification, you hear that a lot, uh, but I think uh, what a lot of people don't uh, forget is uh, not only would you diversify your mutual fund holdings, Mm -hmm. but you'd want to diversify the different investment vehicles uh, that you have access to you. And um, that could be in stocks, bonds, cash, Mm -hmm. real estate, estate. life insurance, annuities. They're all... They all perform differently in different market classes, so it makes sense. Like if you wanted a bulletproof financial plan, then it would make to sense to be diversified to, in, in all of those. In all of those, yeah. and not just your individual portfolio. Exactly. You definitely don't want to have everything in one asset class, um, and ideally, you've you've diversified in all of them. So, why is it important, Tony, to work with a financial professional? Well, according to I re- know why it's important to <laughs> my listeners. According to a recent uh, article by U.S. News, you know, a big part of it is crisis management. So transitioning uh, the management of your portfolio from a spouse or, or an heir, you know, having a financial v- advisor makes that seamless and easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a second reason is you know, someone else to crunch the numbers. You probably want to focus on something else in retirement rather than opening up your uh, Retirement and then watching Bloomberg each day. Sure. You know, you'd rather be golfing, working on a new hobby, starting a new business. But just having someone else to crunch the numbers frees you up for the more important things in your life. Uh, the third reason is guarding against cognitive declines. So, you, you know, if, even if you are a wealth building expert, you, you may not be able to properly manage your portfolio one day in the future. So, you could experience uh, cognitive or physical declines or other health problems that would render you unable to properly manage your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth is just having a second opinion on your spending plan. You know, what we find uh, for retirees, if all your money's invested in one basket, then you're, you're, you're naturally going to either increase your lifestyle or decrease your lifestyle, mm-hmm. depending on what the market does. But designing a financial plan that takes into account market declines or, or, or market upswings and just having you maintain your current lifestyle is, uh, you know, would be a prudent uh, investment strategy, having someone with a second opinion. Tony, what are some investment vehicles people <laughs> should consider when planning for retirement? So as I mentioned earlier, there's stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, fixed and variable annuities, life insurance, real estate. And by having a diverse set of investment vehicles, uh, put, it puts you in a better position to withstand the market's uh, ups and downs. 
So just a minute left here. Just I'd like to leave my listeners, uh, Tony, with a lasting, uh, lasting thought from you. Yeah, I'm going I'm to say it again. You know, make sure you are diversified with the, uh, the different investment vehicles available to you. And, uh, you know, give me a call. Tony, thank you so much for coming back in studio. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tina. Coming up next on the Money Hour, fired up and ready to sue? You might want to think again. In studio, I have Vincent, Vincent Humphrey with Humphrey & Associates right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Never imagined your marriage would be ending? Not sure if you're going to be the weekend parent? How long is the divorce process going to take and who can you trust? The attorneys at Humphrey & Associates understand that these are just a few questions that may be going through your mind. You're not alone and they've helped many people in your same position. Their mission is to serve you while you get through this difficult time. Divorce and parenting plans are difficult enough. Working with an attorney shouldn't be. Humphrey & Associates is committed to providing affordable legal services that you can trust. You need good, solid legal advice that isn't going to cost a fortune. Worry no more. To schedule your free consultation, just call 206-946-8580 or go online to halegalteam.com. Hi, this is Vincent Humphrey. Go ahead and give us a call today at 206-946-8580 or you can reach us online at halegalteam.com. Again, that's 206-946-8580 or online at halegalteam.com. Love to hear from you. Go where you want when you want. With a Banner Bank Connected checking account, you can use any ATM in the world for free. That's any ATM anywhere. Think of it as your freedom to explore. Banner Bank. Let's create tomorrow together. Unlimited surcharge rebates from non-banner-owned U.S. ATMs. Banner Bank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 11th show. I provide you news on everything money, fresh information, and market trends on conditions in our local economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And right now in studio, I have Vincent Humphrey. He's attorney with Humphrey and Associates. And we're going to talk about making sure it really is a good idea to sue before you go in that direction. And Vincent, thank you so much for uh, joining me back in studio. Glad to be here, Tina. Thanks for having me. And a little bit about Vincent. Vincent Humphrey is attorney at Humphrey and Associates PLLC, which focuses on family law and civil litigation. His passion is in bringing justice and clarity to those in need. His experiences allow him to work well in many different situations and a service first mentality also uh, 
um, gives him the break past through the t- allows him to break past through the toughest scenarios. Vin- Vincent holds a Juris Doctor degree from University of Idaho College of Law and a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Washington. He has advised executives from Fortune 100 companies as well as the working man and woman at the local grocery store. Vincent participates in a variety of legal organizations in King County where he mentors other lawyers and is interested in helping good people going through tough situations. And that's really what the show is about today um, because we're we're kind of talking about why not to sue or whether it makes sense to. And uh, we're talking with an attorney. <laughs> you know? So let's uh, get right into it. Typically, uh, Vincent, how do you handle the question, what are my chances? I would like to start off with a quote. Can I do that, Tina? Oh, of course. Okay. I love getting quotes from you. Yeah. All right. So the quote goes something like this. Discourage litigation. Persuade your neighbors to compromise whenever you can. Point out to them how the nominal winner is often a real loser in fees, expenses, and just a waste of time. So as a peacemaker, the lawyer has a superior opportunity of being a good man. There will still be business enough. That was said by none other than Abraham Lincoln. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, prior to even that question, we were chatting a little off air about, uh-huh. you know, how do you get business, right? When if you're, you're coming in yeah, and always sharing saying, how not to sue. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, even that last little bit, I think, makes perfect sense that there's, there's business enough. There's yes. enough that's going on. Um, and so I think uh, today's show is, is just great. And in that question that you asked, mm-hmm. what are my chances uh, that that's really a loaded question because uh-huh. there's, you know, am I going to win? How much is this going to cost? Yes. You know, what should I do? And so there's all sorts of different facets to that. And typically when I hear that question, I try to peel back those layers and yes. figure out, all right, where is this coming from? Um, because the reality is you're going to any, regardless of what your situation is, the best that you can have with a lawyer is that they are your advocate. Yes. They're not the one wearing yeah. the robe. Yes. So if this is going to go into litigation, your best case scenario is still going to be presented in front of a man or a woman in a robe and they get to have the final say. Mm-hmm. And then that, I mean, the, the, the variations of what could happen are so, so far out there. So I think a good attorney, what they will do, and if, if they're worth their salt, will uh-huh. try to analyze where the client is coming from and won't try to lead them astray out of either some sort of personal gain or some game to the firm to of say, course. you know, here are the chances in my experience, uh-huh. but hey, we don't know. Yeah, you, you never, you never know, and kind of, you you, and you can't. I would imagine as an attorney, you can't tell them what to do, but just to kind of help yes. direct them um, in the way that you think might be best suited. To the listener out there that has the attorney that says, "I guarantee you, this yes. is the results you're going to get when we step into that courtroom." Uh-huh. My advice is to run. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, run fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, Vincent, and you know, if you've got somebody that's uh, messed you up, and and you know, legally speaking. Um, should you try to talk to them before luring up? Yeah, you know, that that seems like really, you know, a, a basic concept. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say you absolutely can and you should. If you can stomach it, talking to whoever it is that wronged you in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times people come to me with their... My neighbor blew his leaves onto my yard or, you know, I know Crazy. they did this because of that or they took this from me. Maybe they didn't know it was yours, yes. right? Now, we, you, you can pay me and we can have this conversation and we yeah. can explore. Well, how do you know? 
your neighbor did did you see your neighbor below the leaves uh-huh, did you uh-huh. see him take yeah while the clock is running right go talk to them simple sure. simple advice probably that you've heard from a parent or a teacher to say well did you talk to that person mm-hmm. that right there I, I mean a lot of times emotions can get elevated and assumptions can be there sure but when you go into the legal the legal field right we don't base our opinions on speculation or a hypothetical that may or may not have happened we need to know you know well what happened what happened next did you talk did you talk to your neighbor or to your spouse or to mm-hmm. your coworker? So taking that advice, I think, will go a long way and can save you so much money. And if you can just take that time to, you know, take to a breather. you can figure yeah, it out and, and work yeah, it out. Yeah. yeah. And if not, obviously, right, that's what attorneys are for. We'd be more yes. than happy to talk to you about it. But have that conversation first. You're only doing yourself favors. Makes sense. So, Vincent, what would be a, a tip in preparation for somebody that wants to come in and have that initial conversation with you to see what the next step should be? One of the things I think uh, to everybody listening that you should know about working with an attorney, doesn't matter what really kind of the field is, right? From family law, we do a lot of family law, to real estate, to intellectual property, mm-hmm. on and on. A-, a couple things to know. One, if you're going to see an attorney, you need to be organized, uh, period. Yeah, yeah. You're going in there and you've got papers. Oh, I, th- I think this is the email. Hold on a second. Where is that text message? It's here somewhere. And they're staring at their clock or their watch and saying, yeah. okay, hopefully this man or woman gets it together. So having <laughs> having all of your ducks, chickens, cows, whatever it is, having them all in a row, yeah, right? And having yeah. them lined up. And not only lined up, but lined up linearly, right? Okay. What happened first? Yeah, what happened okay. second? I mean, that's one of the things that can be really frustrating in dealing with, you know, anybody, your interactions in the legal field. Uh-huh. Because we want to know, hey, what happened? Then what happened next? Yes. Then what happened next? Which is really kind of disjointed if you and I, Tina, were to just have a conversation mm-hmm. about how your day went yesterday. You say, oh, I yeah. woke up and then I went here. Oh, yeah. And but then, then I you went kind there. of forget that you yeah, did that. Yes. Yeah. And you go back and forth. That is annoying. And it uh-huh. is painful as an attorney to yes. just say, wait a second. You know, we're trying to make our chart of what happened next mm-hmm. and all that. So having it, if you did that. That would go a long ways to say, hey, at this day, at this time, I did Mm -hmm. this. And then I followed up with an email. Here's a copy of that email. And another thing, please bring copies. Some attorneys like originals, but it's always good to have a copy, especially if they're sensitive documents. Of course. Your birth certificate, Social Security. If that is what's necessary, have a copy with you. Because if the attorney says, I don't want your originals, but I can make copies, and that's uh-huh. an, an additional charge in a yeah. lot of cases to say, oh, no, here, here's all the documents yeah. that I have as a copy pre-made for you, Mr. or Mrs. Attorney. And it sounds like it might be a good idea to sit down and just you know type out a cover letter so that you can actually go through those steps, because I would imagine when you're we're getting it from your, your brain to, uh, to the page that you could really pick some things up, and that could help to court organize it. Yes. And much easier, obviously, for, um, uh, for your client, and like you said, a lot less expensive and uh, better for for you and helping them through that process. Totally agree. So, Vincent, sometimes it's just about the the principle of things. I'm sure some <laughs> of your clients say that. How dangerous could that mindset be? I, I think it can be very dangerous um, and very really destructive. I've uh-huh. had 
uh, clients uh, tell me that that very thing that you know it's the principle of the matter they took my you fill in the blank and that fill in the blank might amount to something less than twenty dollars and to have that conversation or to try to litigate over something along those lines is really ridiculous and it's ridiculous not just because i think it's ridiculous but the court a lot of times doesn't want to engage in those sort of uh, emotional tirades if you will to say you know what is this really what we're here we're here over, you know, the pen that you got that you yeah. could replace. It, it's just not worth it. And so to that, again, I try to seek to understand where that is coming from. A lot of it mm-hmm. is emotion. A lot of it is hurt. And a lot sure. of it is I just want them to feel this way. Yes. And a lot of times the other side doesn't care. Exactly. And in some instances. And they're probably laughing for oh, all of yeah, the, the stress yeah. that you're going through. And yes. Yep. Yes. Because a lot of times they know what gets to you. And yes. They know what ticks your buttons. And mm-hmm. so they'll say, you know, uh, I'm going to do this to infuriate or to heighten the emotions on the other side. Yeah. And then again, understanding that you're not getting anywhere. And yeah. some of the you know best advice that I can give is that you are doing well to move on. Yeah, well, we all, learn, we all learn growing up. If you know somebody's bothering you, pretend like it doesn't bother you and they'll yes. stop, but continue like it's an issue. They'll continue going. So how do you counsel your clients, Vincent, when they just are insistent to drag this process on? One of the I mean, things, sometimes you just have to say, you know, no, I'm, you know, I, I, this is not doing any good. Or how do you address that? Certain times, yeah, I let them know I'm not the right one for you. Uh-huh. Uh, I, it, you know, I, that that distinction comes in where I decide, you know, is that something that I want to do? Yeah, do I want to be in court fighting over the Easy Bake Oven that you know mm-hmm. you bought and the other yeah. side says they bought it? Really, and it it. It is hard because the the client a lot of times wants these things to happen. But I understand kind of the full picture and saying that and what it's going to cost you in legal fees and time. And then also what the client would potentially could potentially hear from a judge or a commissioner uh, from the bench in regards to, you know, counsel. Are we really here for the easy bake oven? Yeah, and then they look yeah. down to my client and say, here, let me tell you something, son, or, you know, miss. And uh-huh. I just have to stand there and be like, I told you. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Come on. Yeah. And the thing about court is it's not just you in there by yourself, right? Uh-huh. You've got other people in the courtroom yeah. and they're like, oh, that guy's here for the easy bake oven. And so I, I tell them that. And then even more seriously, I let them know that the court has so much latitude that they can mm-hmm. do. They can say, sure, I'll order them to give you the easy bake oven but you pay their attorney's fees. Yeah. Did you win? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, okay, so yeah. you got an easy bake oven and that that's the most easy, <laughs> that's the most price easy bake oven that you'll ever have. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. If they even make those anymore. Maybe she said Legos <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knows? Well, Vincent, for those people that actually are, are planners and if they're planners, I'm, I'm sure they're going to have their stuff together. They're going to come prepared and planned for you in that initial meeting. Um, I'd imagine those planners are really, um, are, are going to be looking to you for your expertise. And a, a common question I would imagine would be, how long is this process going to take? Yeah, from start to finish. A quick answer: time. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and it's hard to say specifically how long. Mm-hmm. Uh, in certain cases, they give you a case schedule and. To the listener that is in that position and is thinking of going to see an attorney, understand that you are but half of 
the top pleading line where it has your name versus. Yes. And that versus, there's a huge gap between your name versus period and whoever person or entity is on the other side. Mm -hmm. And their interest may be just to drag this out because they can. And understanding that, well, I want this done or, well, I'm I'm trying to get remarried. How do I, you know, I'm trying to get out of this marriage so I can Mm -hmm. get in the next one. Say, well, don't set a wedding date quite yet. I can't tell you how many times I've had that call. Not quite yet. Yeah. Give it time and understand that whatever you're thinking, give it even some more time on that. Not because mm-hmm. your attorney's trying to make it take time, but you just can't control the other side of the verses. Makes sense. So, Vincent, we got a minute and I've, um, I need to get to commercial, but I want to ask you, you know, bottom line, um, when, if, if you think you're ready to sue, what is, what's advice? To the person that's heated, fired up, ready to go. Th- fired up and your, ready to go. Your worst case scenario. If I've got to pay okay. the other attorney, if this goes the other way and I lose everything, yeah. is that worth it? Have I talked to the other person? Great advice. Have I done everything that I can? Yeah. Dude, thank Great you. advice. Thank you so much, yeah. Vincent. I appreciate your time and coming so in to fast. see you. It went so fast. It does every time. <laughs> <laughs> and coming up next in the Money Hour, discussion on home inspections. Andy Young with Active Home Inspectors right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Go where you want, when you want. With a Banner Bank Connected checking account, you can use any ATM in the world for free. That's any ATM, anywhere. Think of it as your freedom to explore. Banner Bank. Let's create tomorrow together. Unlimited surcharge rebates from non-Banner-owned U.S. ATMs. Banner Bank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 11th show, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at one 855 411150 Again, that's one 411150 or online at themoneyr.com to discuss anything regarding money uh, or ask the guests that I have in studio today any questions. Right now in studio, I have Andy Young with Active Home Inspections and discussion today with Andy is on, on home inspections. Andy, thank you for joining me uh, in studio. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And a little bit about Andy. Andy grew up in the contracting business and his father worked for a large GC. And he knew from an early age the building construction field was where he would be. And he trained and continually educated by ASHI, American Standard of Home Inspectors, and has been nationally recognized for the highest home inspection standards. And uh, this is a... a real great conversation to have with not just people that are thinking of buying a home, but the sellers out there in the market, as well as people that own homes um, can benefit from a home inspection. So what makes a good home inspector, Andy? I mean, there's quite a few things across the board, but outside of the actual inspection content, I think one of the things that's overlooked often is being able to effectively communicate with people of all backgrounds. You've got buyers, sellers, you've got brokers, you've got people making emotional decisions where, you know, I could be dealing with a 25-year-old first-time home buyer in the morning who's going to be putting in a lot of sweat equity 
And, you know, he's not worried about all the defects. He wants to make sure the home's in good standing and will be there for a while where uh-huh. you could have a couple in their 70s looking for their, you know, sorry to say it, final home. Yeah. And all they want is a turnkey home that's going to last them for the next 20 years and not have any issues. So, you know, the way you communicate to those people is going to be different and what you find in that inspection is going to be the same, mm-hmm. but the severity of, of what it's going to be in over the time of them owning that home, especially. Makes sense. So really being able to um, determine what kind of type of client that you're working with and how to best cater that inspection to what their needs are. So uh, common issues found in home inspections right now in, in this area, Andy, Andy, what are those? Well, I mean, we are in Washington. Yes. I'm, I'm going to say water, Mold. water, and water. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you can have it, you, it, obviously the roof, the roof protects the entire home, but yeah. the roof also you know pushes water to down to the foundation if you don't have proper gutters or anything like that that leads to horrible drainage around your house which mm-hmm. leads to water in your crawl space which can lead to additional issues uh so that that's the main thing in the northwest is it's wet it's yeah. it's tough because most homes are sold in the summer and you can you know you can see there may have been a leak in an attic but you don't really know until you know you have a lot of rain like this so yeah yeah this time of year, I find a lot more leaks than I do in the winter or in the I, summertime. I bet. So do you do um, pre-inspections as well as inspections once an offer has been accepted? And I know that there's two different uh, two different types between those inspections, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's verbal inspections, which uh-huh. is no written report. And then there has a written report that I do with digital pictures. They range from, you know, 10 to 30 pages. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, there's the, the pre-inspection before there was an offer, a lot of times there's maybe several inspectors at a house that's popular. Yes, yeah. But it, it's something that, to me, it gives the the owner not necessarily ways to take uh, money off of the price, but as uh-huh. a way to say, all right, these are the issues I know that's wrong with the home. There's 10 other people getting the same pre-inspection here. They're likely mm-hmm. finding the same issues. Yes. Where it's really, what kind of risk are you willing to stomach for for some people, but painting a house and replacing cabinets and countertops isn't a big deal. Yeah. Where to others that might be, you know, way more than they're even looking for. Yeah. And I have a, a lot of um, real estate professionals that come in and share a wealth of information on a lot of different topics. And this is kind of an area that they don't all agree, which is a seller getting a pre-inspection. Are you seeing more of that, that sellers are doing pre-inspections? Um, you know, and basically uh, for a, a listener, pre-inspection, uh, getting an inspection from you, a professional prior to even listing their home. Well, I always recommend it, not not from yes. a source of business to me, but uh-huh. also, you know, I w- if I was selling a home, I'd want to yeah. know I'm selling a positive product, something yes. that doesn't have defects. And by getting a home inspection before you sell it, you have the opportunity to fix those things or not just yes. to know what will be found. Exactly. Um, you know, it gives you a realistic idea of what you're going to get for a price and mm-hmm. how much negotiating back and forth is going to come. Yeah. Um, and, and from that standpoint, I would say my, I know that my pre-inspections, my post-offer inspections and my seller inspections, it's all the same inspection. Uh-huh. It just is whether you want a verbal or a written report. So there's a, it covers the same standards, the entire house. You yep. Know, same same thing. So you know we've talked about this a little bit, but you know you purchasing a sell purchasing a home. Um, obviously, you're you're getting an inspection. Inspection. Um, when else are you doing those inspections? And when would it be a verbal inspection versus the the actual full inspection? I mean, it depends on what people want, their personal uh-huh. preference. Um, I always recommend a written report because then you have a way to go back to it. But yeah. if you're if you're interested in you know paying a little bit less. I was going to say, there's a not a huge report. difference between it, a verbal and a written, right? It's really not, but the amount of people that actually go through the 30 pages of the report, I'm not, sh- I'm not of certain course. of. Yeah, um, yeah. 
My husband would. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I would I would hope that someone would and, yes. and call me and ask questions. Yeah. And so on that note, I want to um, ask you, when you would do the home inspection, are you um, knowing what's wrong with the home? Are you giving estimates of what those damages would be? No, or are you really no, not in a position to, to do that? They've, they can then take that information and find out what it's going to cost to actually replace yeah, and I'm not a licensed contractor. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not a contractor at all. I own a yep. home, and I do a lot of work on it. Makes sense. Uh, other than that, I can give people ideas of what I think may be needed to fix it. Okay. Uh, but other than that, I'm not giving any any sort of legal advice. I'm not giving yes. any recommendations Makes because sense. I don't want to be tied to it. But yep. that being said, I tell everyone I give an inspection to, you can call me the whole time you own this house. Yeah. I remember. I've got the pictures on my computer, and I'm happy yep. to help you out. Awesome. Okay. Um, so, so back to the other reasons why yeah. someone would get a home inspection. To me, something people miss out on is a routine home inspection, something that, yeah. you know, you live in a home for five years. Most people, if your house needs paint when you buy it, they paint it right away. Yes. Uh, you know, a few things right when you purchase a home. Other than that, people aren't really walking around their home. What's changed? You know, your your home interacts with the weather, its surroundings, its owners, their children and pets, mm-hmm. things like that where you know, you can walk around your home and in the summer it looks fine. In the winter, you're like, okay, these are what I need to do this year in order to preserve the life of my home. I mean, people get, you get a oil change on your car that, yes. you know, is not a very large purchase in consideration of your home, yet people go five years without even having any I consideration. I know that is crazy. So from your professional opinion and on your home, how often are you inspecting your home? How often should we have a home inspection as a homeowner? Oh, I'd say my home far too much. Okay, so um, it's a, it's a normal person then. <laughs> a, a normal person. I mean, you should walk around your house every. But I mean, hiring hiring an inspector, a professional to come in and, and give and to do an inspection on your home to find out what the condition of it is right now. How often should we be doing that? I mean, to me, every two years would be. Okay. And and in that, you know, you want to walk around in the winter and mm-hmm. in the or rainy season, we'll call it because in the it. snow you can't really see it, but we don't yep. have the issue here. Um, so yeah, you want to be there when it's wet. You want to be there when it's dry, and and those are going to be your main. And you can look, find out what areas are possible issues that you can fix before it becomes a big major issue. Yeah, and Makes I was total like, sense. I was like, right now because this gives you just, you know, it gives you the time to write down. All right, these are going to be my projects for the summer. This is uh-huh. what I need to get done. Perfect. Um, uh, two question here on you know the length of the time that it takes to inspect a home because I know it can be um, a period of time. So what what is that typically, and should the buyer be present there with you? Uh, well, I'll start with the second one first. I always like for the buyer to be there. Okay. You can you can explain to the person. I like to educate people, and it's just nice to get a firsthand experience of the person who's going to be living there and needs to know Makes the sense. information. Okay. Um, from the time, I mean, a small new condo is not going to take much more than an hour. Okay. Where I did a sixty-five hundred square foot home that was twenty years old two weeks ago, and it took uh-huh. four hours. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I think I I do them in a decently timely manner. Uh-huh. I'm active home inspections, and I'm true to the name. I'm I'm out there getting everything done. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there a preference for you in, in working with first-time home buyers or somebody that's experienced and has owned a lot of homes or those investors out there that um, feel that maybe they know a little bit more than they might know when it comes to home inspection? What is your, your preference? Uh, well, I like it all. Um, there's something different in everybody. For a first-time home buyer, it's, it's fun to educate them about their home and, mm-hmm. and teach them what it's going to be and make sure that they have a safe and secure place to live. Dealing with people that have purchased a home before, not necessarily from an investor standpoint, but they've been through it before. Hopefully, they're less scared. Uh, uh-huh. That's not always the case. Yeah. Uh, and then from an investor standpoint, they just they look at a house a lot differently than than they would 
someone who's going to live in it. It's not an emotional mm-hmm. decision for them. So that can be a little bit more of a relaxed inspection. But it's, you know, it's just as intense for me. I'm still looking for everything that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, but like you said at the beginning, that you're, um, you're really finding out where that client's at, what space that they're in, so that you can um, manage that inspection process and the emotional piece around it. Because I would think actually somebody that's already owned at home, they actually may be more scared because they've had a bad experience and they, they should have done something that they didn't. Now they want to make possible. sure that they're, you know, they're doing it correctly. Um, what makes you stand out, Andy, as a home inspector? I mean, I, think I know it, you're a special guy. I want my <laughs> listeners to. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, I think it shows when I do an inspection. I love inspecting homes. I love real estate. I love homes. Mm-hmm. And th- this is fun for me. I like getting in the dirtiest places of your home. You're attic your crawl that's spaces. That's crazy. <laughs> I know it is, but that's where the that's where the majority of things are found. Uh-huh. Um, when when I can't get into your attic, which is unfortunate for me, I do have a thermal image camera, which I know not all inspectors use, so that I, I look for large changes in temperature possibly sources of leaks and things like that. So just another another area that I can use technology to to be a more efficient inspector. Uh-huh. So right now Andy in this in this market in this time that we're in are there is there anything different that's happening with um, home inspections or things that you're looking more for or um, what's happening in the inspector world? I mean the inspector world itself is getting more more and more defined of you know what our standards are and what we look for Mm -hmm. um to me there there's a standards of practice that we follow there's also above and beyond what i would want in a home what Uh not what i would want in a home but what i would want from a safety standpoint in a home and would i put someone that i know and love in this home yes so i never answer the question would i buy this home because i'm never i'm not usually in a market for a home yes well and i always say i just kind of joke if you want to know what's good about the home call the listing agent if you want to know what's bad about the home that's why you have an inspector because that's what you're getting paid for is to really come in and look for the things that can be an issue and on that note um in doing that initial inspection being able to see where that house is headed in five or 10 years down the road. I mean, there's there's a story that you're putting together with that inspection of not just the condition of it right now, but things that might be coming up in the future that could be an issue or even certain things in that particular home that don't have an issue but may be prone to that you've seen in the past, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or exterior wise. I mean, you know, the roof looks really nice right now, but you know, you got trees hanging all over your roofs. So your gutters are going to be full in the, you know, in six months. Yes. So... Things like that, I think that, you know, I, I really like the investigative part of it. So, yeah. you know, you find uh, some issue on the floor and, okay, well, there's an issue on the floor. Well, looks like there's a big ceiling patch above it. Let's get in the uh-huh. attic. Let's find that stuff. Got it. Um, and that's where the thermal camera comes into play also. We can look for missing insulation and stuff like that. So there's definitely So doing ways. your job, it really does not only take talent, but it does take um, passion and excitement about what you're doing because it is a get in there and, and uh dirty job and you have to really have that that passion and like you said to um, be excited about really trying to figure things out to figure where the problem is so um, that's awesome now in this market we're not seeing that the sellers are agreeing to pay for much of anything and majority of the time the buyers if the seller has not already gotten an inspection the buyers are doing the pre-inspection which you talked about Um, but for those homes that are not as crazy in the multiple offer and the inspection is done after the offer has been accepted and there are issues that come up and the seller does agree to fix some of those um are are you hired to go back out there and make sure that that work's been done properly yeah and and from that standpoint it is it is still a visual inspection i'm not tearing any walls apart nor am i a licensed contractor but Uh you know yeah i've definitely done that 
from time to time you go out and take a look at stuff. Uh, I like to do it on ins- homes that I've done the original inspection mm-hmm. on because then I have a form of reference. Makes sense. But but other than that, yeah, absolutely. And people do it when they get stuff remodeled. They'll have me come look before and after and okay. things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a, another source of professional advice. So if you're listening to the, the show right now and you hire Andy as your inspector or whoever that inspector is, it's really not a one-time deal, but this is your inspector that you're going to have for the life of that home and possibly you know moving forward with your new properties. They know the home, that's the person you bring in and, and kind of do that re-inspect every couple of years to make sure that you're taken care of and your home's taken care of because after all, this is the roof over your head and your family's head and you want to make sure that it's safe. Wrapping up, Andy, what do you do in your, your free time when you're not doing all these home inspections? Oh, man. Well, uh, I like to travel around with my wife, whether it be abroad, locally. There's a lot of cool stuff to do around here. Um, I enjoy real estate. Uh, I like to golf, snowboard, and just Mm -hmm. picked up some fly fishing. Oh, that's awesome. Andy, thank you so much for coming in studio. It was a real pleasure. And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll be here same time, same place next Saturday, right here at 1150 AM, KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.